hello to Facebook folks and all of those out in social media nice to see you nice to be with you Bill Allen here coming from a um, chilly downtown Tyler Texas uh, we are getting that cold front come through for us and many of you are already experiencing that but for right now here in Northeast Texas it's starting the temps are starting to go down a little bit started to say climb down and I guess that would be proper but they're one way or another it's getting chilly and we're gonna have that over the next few days and uh, but uh, what a blessing it is to have this beautiful wonderful world that God created for us all these wonderful times of changing of the seasons yes even in Texas uh, the seasons do change although maybe not quite as noticeable and definitely not as beautiful as some other places one of the things that Joyce and I especially miss about North Carolina including some wonderful wonderful people that were part of the South Fort Church of Christ there in Winston-Salem are the four seasons I mean being in Texas we thought that it was just a rock band from the 60s but sure enough who knew there were actually four seasons and there are and uh, parts of this country are very beautiful in the fall very beautiful in the spring and Texas is uh, we're in a very beautiful part of the state actually here in East Texas and so we're very very blessed very very happy and I'm very very happy to be with you we have a transition day today this is uh, we're starting a new uh, spot on our uh, daily Bible reading as you know over the past few days you have been reading the wonderful part in the daily Bible edited by Eflagard Smith that focuses on the laws of Moses and so if this was one of those sections where you were thinking oh, I hope I can get through this I hope you can too <coughs> excuse me and I hope you don't give up as we're reading through a very meticulous law book and yet as you do that I hope that as you as I'm prone to say that you read with your eyes open and as you're reading through these things and some of it is repetitive and some of it is a bit uh, you're thinking why why would that be in the Bible at all why would that be in God's law you have to remember that uh, the people of God under Moses and ultimately under King Saul and David and Solomon is a theocracy. It's a, it's a nation of people that are ruled by their God. And this God is God, as Rahab will say, and we'll be talking about her in a couple of weeks when Joshua takes over and begins the conquest of the promised land in Jericho. But we, we know that this God is God, and this God has given his people his law. He has promised to bless them, and if uh, they will be obedient to him and trust in him, he will be with them always, and they will always experience the blessing of the Lord. As we know from our Bible history, that wasn't the case ultimately. But for now, the people of God are hearing Moses recount the laws, and as uh Brother Smith has arranged the Daily Bible in chronological order. He has saved this part for a reading of a structured study of the laws of Moses. And uh, we're going to see that take place over the next uh, several days, really close to two weeks. Uh, the next section will be conquering the land and we'll turn the leadership over to Joshua but we're not there yet, and that won't happen until March 
uh, the seventh. I don't want to be a discouragement to you or anything, but if you're hanging on waiting for the time when we get to the New Testament in Jesus, you got to remember that the majority of the Bible is in the Old Testament. And it won't be until well into October that we open up the Gospels and begin that special section of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. All of it is inspired. All of it is important. Even all of these meticulous laws and customs that the Jews were to have. And so I hope that you'll uh, hang in there with us and that you'll get something out of this. It is a call to holiness. God is a holy God, and one of the uh, repeating themes throughout the books of the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, those first five books we call the Pentateuch, especially the book of Leviticus, which has to do with the law and the tribe of Levi, uh, we are we're called upon to serve God obediently out of humility and with holiness. The great holiness code that we read several times in the book of Leviticus is repeated, as we'll see in just a moment, in the book of 1 Peter. You be holy, God says, because I am holy. And what a great message that is, even for us today, living under the new covenant. Thankfully, we don't have these hundreds and hundreds of laws that we have to follow, but we are called to be holy and lead holy and pure lives. I thought as we get started on this section, I would uh, share with you the topics that uh, Dr. Smith has in this division, this very uh, structured and organized study of the laws of Moses. And so first are the religious and ceremonial laws. We're talking about that this week. Next are the laws of government, such as when Israel will one day clamor for a king. What's it going to be like? Uh, and how should you serve that king in serving God? A third section in this uh, part are laws of special crimes. Fourth section, personal rights and remedies. And some of these sections are dealing with personal health, personal injury, uh, personal laws, what to do when somebody borrows money and they can't pay back, and some things like that. Uh, the next section, marriage, divorce, and sexual relations. Much is said about that, including, and really the Ten Commandments form the basis for all of this. Of course, a couple of those commandments are especially important here, uh, and that is, thou shalt not commit adultery. Another is honor your father and mother. Those are all related to family and relationships um, and purity and holiness. Another section is health and dietary laws. Yes, those were very important in the laws of Moses and in the people's lives who were a part of the nation of Israel. Uh, we have general welfare laws, which speak about different things related to respecting each other. Rules of warfare, uh, such as uh, when can a soldier uh, take time off if he's a newlywed? That is addressed in the laws of Moses. Uh, and then finally, the last section is responsibilities under the laws. And that is really uh, another summation of the call to be obedient. The blessings that come when you are obedient to the law of God and the curses that will be upon you if you live a life of disobedience. 
So with that in mind, I want us to kind of start trudging through these laws. And I, again, I, I want you to read them and read through each day and, and read it from the perspective of this holy God calling for his people to be holy. And remember, these laws are being given somewhere around 1400 BC, somewhere in the 1400s BC. So 1400 years before Christ, 3400 years before today. And I think one of our biggest uh, issues that we deal with in uh, reading the Bible is forcing ourselves to remember that uh, the, the, the Bible is written to specific people at a specific time and place in history. One of the great things about Scripture is that uh, you can trace it. Uh, you can look at the times that it was written in. You can see the places. You can hear the names. And you realize this is, a, this is actually a, a historical document. And for Moses, as he recounts these laws to the people of God before his death, uh, after in as a part of leading them th through those 40 years in the wilderness before um, they went across the Jordan River without him, Moses is sharing laws that were written to a specific people in a specific time in history, not in the 21st century after Christ, but rather 1,400 years before Jesus was born. And so I think as we read through these laws, we need to, we ought to keep that in mind and uh, not judge this law or these people by the standards of today. I'm sure the law, if it had been given, if Moses had lived now and Jesus was still a thousand years uh, ahead of us in the future, that the law of, of Moses uh, would probably look and sound a lot differently because it's written and given to a people at a certain time in history. And so as we go through this, I want us to try to remember that and, and remember the core of the law or the Ten Commandments. And the ultimate core is given us to us by Jesus himself when asked what are the greatest commandments in the law. Specifically, what is the greatest commandment? It was the first one, uh, to love the Lord your God in the words of the Ten Commandments, you shall have no other gods before me. And the second, Jesus said, is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. As we looked at those Ten Commandments, and we'll be seeing them again as we go through this study, uh, we're reminded that four of those ten are directed to our relationship with God, that vertical relationship that we have with the Father, such as remember the Sabbath, keep it holy, uh, do not make uh, an image uh, to represent God, the second of the Ten Commandments, those four, and then the majority of the Ten Commandments, the, the other six, the last six, have to do with our horizontal relationship with each other, such as honor your father and mother, um, such as tell the truth, do not uh, give false testimony, uh, such as don't be envious, do not covet. And so those are laws which are given in the Ten Commandments, and they become the basis, I think, for the laws that we read in the larger group of the hundreds of laws that included the laws of Moses. And I like how uh, Brother Lagarde Smith uh, differentiates this, and he does it again in a very structured way, an outline way. I'm an outline person. I like that. Perhaps you like that. And I think it's true to the, to the nature of the text. These are laws. 
And so he gives them to us in that kind of a fashion, which I think is good. I want to show you a book. Uh, it is the Daily Bible Devotional Journal. Uh, it is a companion for reading through the Daily Bible. Maybe you might want to get one of these, maybe not. Uh, but what it does is in each of the sections, in each of the days, it's got uh, some outline things that you can do. And it asks you questions of what you're reading. And it gives you the opportunity to journal, basically. I'm sorry that I didn't tell you about this earlier, but now I'm telling you, I'm telling you about it now, as they say. And I, and the reason I thought about this is because I think it would be helpful for me, hopefully for all of us, as we go through these readings of the law. Remember, I'm not going to read every verse that you read throughout the week. We have two sessions to cover a whole week of readings. And, uh, and so we won't be nearly uh, uh, complete in that sense. But what I would just like to do is to give you a little bit of a summary of some of the topics that are covered and some of the important points that are made and, and, and maybe some of the applications that we can make living now, um, in this case, this week and next week, um, 3,400 years later after these laws are given. And so you have this law of Moses. It's given to these people. It's based on the Ten Commandments. We heard that call from Moses in Deuteronomy in chapter 4 and chapter 5 and chapter 6 and the chapters that follow, calling on the people to be obedient and then recounting their history and, and reminding them that when they go into the promised land, they need to still trust in this God who had delivered them for 40 years while they were wandering in the wilderness without food, without water, God provided for them, and now he'll still be providing for them, Moses says, but in a different way, a less direct way. And so he calls on them to continue to be obedient. Um, the core of this, of course, are the first two commandments, and I believe Dr. Smith brings that out, to, um, to uh, not have, have no other gods before me, God says. And the second is, uh, that you shall not make for yourself even any graven image. Any kind of an image of the one true and living God is forbidden. Why? Because as John says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And even though the law of Moses is written at a time long before those words are stated and written, it's written at a time where you have tablets of stone, that will be a great uh, contrast that even the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah will make, looking ahead in chapter 31 to the time where God will no longer write his law on tablets of stone, but will write it in our hearts. Well, for now, it's tablets of stone. And as we think about that golden calf that they built uh, at the foot of Mount Sinai while Moses was gone for such a long time, 40 days, they, uh, you ask yourself, which, which law were they breaking? Well, that's a good question because it could be either one or both. You shall have no other gods before me. That could have been that one. But it also could have been the second one. Don't make even an image of the actual God. God doesn't want image worship at all because he is spirit. And confining him to some kind of an image, whether it's a calf, a golden calf, or a cross, uh, or any kind of icon that would show a picture and limit your God to that particular um, item is completely forbidden in the Old Testament and uh, brought a punishment 
of death because that's how important it was for the people to worship God and God only. And so what God wants is for us to not let anything sneak up on our relationship with him and to worship him only. And then after this, we see a lot of the ceremonial things begin to kick in. For example, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. That's the core of the Jews' worship. They had those Sabbath days. They had the three major feasts that you read about and a couple of others that were there as well. One of those feasts being uh, the Feast of the Passover that we just read about when they were fleeing Egyptian bondage. It was set up then. Now the Israelites are to observe that every year in the first month of their year. Uh, they are to observe uh, the Passover for seven days starting on the 14th day. And, and so that continues and it becomes the core of their uh, organized structured worship. Uh, they offer sacrifices. I'm sure you're tired already of reading about all the sacrifices. And it, as I read through that, I think to myself, wow, how could they walk anywhere around the tabernacle without stepping in blood? And I'm, I have a feeling that at certain times that was probably quite the chore because they did offer a lot of animal sacrifices. And again, we remember the words of the book of Hebrews that the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin. And that's why Jesus had to shed his own blood for us on the cross and see his life taken away. Well, that sacrifice can take away sin and it's the only thing that can. But until that day comes, in the words of Paul in the book of Galatians, uh, he tells us that the law was our tutor, our schoolmaster, to lead us to the time of Christ. Again, there's 1,400 years before Jesus will come and live and die and be raised, and the church will begin. So what, are the, what, is God, what do God's people do in the meantime? Well, that's what Moses is taking care of right now. So as you read through all those uh, passages about the sacrifices, about what to do with the firstborn, about the certain amount of tithes that you're to give, about uh, how the priests are to act and react, where the things are to be given, what's to be eaten and by whom and where, all of those things are significant. Of course, the Day of Atonement, the Yom Kippur, uh, as you know, is talked about in the reading that you've been reading this week. And that's that one day of the year when the Israelites were commanded, actually, to fast. And they were told to fast, and they were told to deny themselves on that day. And then Aaron, the high priest, or his descendant, who was the high priest at the time, would go into the Holy of Holies and, and come before God with the blood of the bull and, and be able to offer up a, a sacrifice of atonement, not only for his sins, but for the sins of all the people. We read the interesting story about those two goats. You remember one of them is killed and, and the high priest puts his hands on it and pronounces all, confesses all the sins of the people of Israel. And that, that animal is killed and is offered up as a sacrifice to God. And then the second is called the scapegoat. The second is the one that is allowed to live, but takes all of the sins of all of the people and is taken outside the camp and is freed. Uh, very symbolic, very interesting, very important uh, parts of all of that. And how to do, what to do with uh, the prophets and the priests and the sacrifices, all of that. And in the midst of all of that, Moses says in Deuteronomy 18, the Lord will provide for you a prophet like me from among your brethren and you're to listen to him. Well, that statement is given 
when Moses is uh, sharing the fact that he will not go on with them. And so who will lead the people? We continue reading, and again, there's everything about the Sabbath, everything about the Day of Atonement, uh, the major feast, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Harvest or Weeks, which is called Pentecost, which is what the church uh, and the Jews were celebrating on the very first day the church was established in Acts chapter 2. That occurs 50 days after the Passover. That's why it's called the Pentecost. And so we know that the church began only 50 days after Jesus was killed. And so less than two months, which I think is significant, far less than two months, uh, in the same town, the same city of Jerusalem, where Jesus was killed, the same city where his tomb was, and yet the uh, Jewish authorities and the Roman authorities could not produce the, bi the body of Christ. Why? Well, we know why, because he had been raised from the dead. And then the Feast of the Tabernacles, or booze, or ingathering. And some of these feasts, especially those last two, have to do also with certain harvest times uh, in the Jews' year as well. They have the Feast of the Trumpets, which is called the Rosh Hashanah uh, now. And later on, there would be another feast uh, that would be uh, added that would celebrate uh, the time of the uh, second century BC, around the 160s somewhere, when uh, the people of God were oppressed by the, uh, uh, by the Herodian, the Herod authorities, and the Roman authorities, and, and uh, the temple was finally cleared in the Maccabean revolt and revolution. And we'll read about that. That's probably what Jesus was observing, the Feast of Lights uh, in John chapter 9. We'll get to that one uh, as well. Well, we continue on through this time of reading, and the last thing that I want to share with you today involves the offerings, all the burnt offerings, all. And it's interesting how God provides for those who are, are not people of means, because even as he's talking about all these sacrifices and all these animals that are to be offered, uh, we're reminded that not everybody could afford those. What do you do? Jesus' own parents, earthly parents, Joseph and Mary, when they were taking him to the temple according to the law they brought sacrifices that indicated i think that they were not people of means and in the law there is a uh, uh, given information and instruction about what to do for those who can't afford a, a, a sheep or a calf they 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 simply cannot afford it and so what are they to do well you have birds that are offered you have grain offerings and, and you have other options for people uh, to bring before the Lord. In all of this, we, we see and are reminded of that call uh, to holiness, that call for God's people to be holy, for God's people to be holy because, as Leviticus says, I, the Lord, am holy. We'll read this great holiness code uh, at, throughout this, uh, this time as we're reading through the laws of Moses, but several times in the book of Leviticus, God says that great statement, that holiness code, you be holy because I, the Lord, am holy. And so with that in mind, I want us to end today's session with this reading, but it's not from the Old Testament book of Leviticus. It's from the New Testament. It's from the book of First Peter. And this is what it says based on that holiness code that we're reading through over these next uh, week or two. First Peter 1 verse 13. 
Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. May God help us all to obey that great holiness code and to look to our holy God, not just for uh, uh, a call to an instruction as to how to live, but to look to him for forgiveness, for redemption, for salvation, for a mission and a purpose in life that honors and glorifies our holy God, our eternal creator. I'll see you on Thursday.